Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our new free app, which is the best way to listen to messages and keep up with everything happening at Creekwood Church. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Well, if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Ruth, and we are in the last chapter of the book of Ruth, and that is chapter 4. And if you've not been with us these past few weeks, I encourage you to go back and listen. It's one of the most beautiful stories um, that you're ever going to find. And in fact, I, I'm like, man, they should make a movie about this because it's just so uh, filled full of... Um, just, it's just a beautiful story and, and the, the, the extremes of what they went through and everything that happened. It's, it's again, um, it's been fun being able to go chapter by chapter. I know that's a little bit different. We normally don't cover an entire book, but I felt like this summer it was important for us to just kind of take some time out and look at the book of Ruth. And I think it speaks into a lot of our lives and where we're at right now in our life. And the the title of the series is, There's Always More. And I know that can sound, again, a little cliche, but when it comes to God, and when, when we as the people of God lean in and we trust God and our faith is pointed towards God, there is always more that God wants to do. See, um, I, I want you to hear me when I say this. This is not just a saying that there is always more when it comes to God. It's the truth. It is, it is a fact. It's what keeps our faith strong for us to be able to say that, man, you know what? When we trust in God, when we lean in on God and we have a faith in God, there's always more. It's, it's a promise from God that God wants to do more in our life. And this is a beautiful story again. And just to kind of recap, um, uh, you go back to chapter one and you see this, this family, Elimelech and Naomi, and they move their two boys and uh, they make some bad decisions. They move away from Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a place of provision from God. And how many of you know that it's very easy for your day to, to just go bad? And you can start off, you know, in the morning thinking, man, it's great. And I'm sure Elimelech and them thought that it was a great decision to let's go do this and this is going to be a neat thing. Maybe this will change things and um, a new experience for us. And uh, it just, it didn't go well. And I, I was thinking about this. Um, this happened to me a couple weeks ago and I know this doesn't even compare to how bad it got for them. But for me, this was more internally what, what I was feeling. And um, my wife, um, you know, during the COVID uh quarantine has been trying to make some changes, you know, uh, different uh, improvements on our house. And one of the things that she wanted to do is, is to change our mantle. And so we found a place out in uh, up North Fort Worth that we went to is out in this field. And um, uh, we got there and they actually, again, we found it on the internet. They sell these mantles that are, that are kind of like these logs. And it was kind of cool. We got there and I was feeling kind of good about myself. And again, this is, I'm just telling you, this is what I was feeling on the inside of what was going on. The day started off, I felt great about myself. But we get there and um, this place, 
I don't know if you've ever watched this show. I love this show called Barn Builders. And they actually take these big old logs and they build these barns. And it's so cool. And we got there and I'm looking around and I'm like, man, this, these guys, like, they're, they're taking these actual logs and they're assembling these, these barns and they're, they're moving them to other locations. And so the guy that came out to help us was like the most cut guy I've ever, I'm not kidding. He was so cut, and I don't know if he'd been picking up logs. Like, I bet he didn't go to the gym, but he's been picking up a lot of logs. And he had the tiniest little tank top on. I felt pretty good about myself that morning. But when I got around this guy, and he was from, like, Alberta, Canada, so he had an accent. My wife was looking at him like he was, like, one of the Hallmark guys. And I'm like, you know, like I was kept looking at my wife and I'm, she's having all this conversation. And I'm like, man, I'm going to go home and I pull out my like 1980 tank top. I know I got a tank top somewhere. I think I can look that good. How many of you know that that's not true? But I didn't I like I was wrestling in my own head. Like I started getting in a, like it was not going well inside of me because I was like, man, I need to go work out. I'm 53 and like, I don't look like that guy and I wish I looked like him and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot of you today, and again, I was like, babe, like quit. Like I thought any minute she was going to want to take a picture with him because she was like having all this conversation and she loved, she was like, he's got an awesome accent. I'm like, no, he doesn't. He's from Canada, and I, look, we got people that watch that are, maybe you're from Canada, no offense, but I was just like, he's not all that. He's not that cool, and, and my wife's like, this place is awesome. I thought you liked this show, and I'm like, babe, I don't like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't like that show no more. I don't even want to see, I was get like, this was all inside of me. You know, a lot of you that are watching today, and I know, I know again, I wish you were with me because I know you would probably be laughing with me because I was like, this was pretty comical how I let myself just kind of get in a bad mood so easy. But as funny as that is, I know that there, there are a lot of us today that are watching and you're joining us in the service and man, your life is just a mess. There's so many things that are happening that you don't even know what happened, but it like all went south. And whether it's uh, issues with your kids or your finances, and some of you today, you know, you're like, man, it was like six months, a, six months ago or a year ago or two years ago, we had a perfect life. And so things began to happen in our life. And you're, you're sitting there today watching me today. And you're like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if I believe that there's always more. That God has something better for me in my life. That God has something better for my family. That God has something better for my teenager. That God has something better for my my son or my daughter, and, and again, you could go on and on and on. It's very easy to get locked in and become hopeless. And I, I just want you to hear me today. When you lean into God and you trust God and you, you, you take yourself and you say, God, this is, I, I, don't, I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like what I'm feeling. God, I know as I trust in you, God, there's always more. 
You know, the story, um, again, uh, it starts off kind of just really sad, and, and it ends up where, where Naomi and Ruth are these two um, widows that are, are literally, you know, they have nothing. And they're in a foreign land, and Naomi makes one key decision. And I want you to hear me when I say this. She makes one key decision, and, and that is to turn back to, towards God. She turns and she says to Ruth, we need to go back to Bethlehem, back to the place of God's provision in our life. And that one decision began to open these doors of the invisible hand of God working on behalf of these two women. And last weekend we came to chapter 3 where basically, and we, it was kind of a little bit funny because... Um, Again, um, Ruth basically proposes to Boaz, and, and again, you need to go look. at Boaz was a man's man. He was incredible. Uh, I, I don't know if he wore tank tops, but like maybe. But he just, the Bible says he's a, he's a, a great, great man. And that was funny. Again, I know you're laughing. I feel y'all through the camera. Um, but Boaz was a worthy man. He, had a, he was a man of integrity, and he treated you know, he just, he was a wealthy man. He had everything going for him. And God supernaturally led Ruth to this field that the Bible says it just kind of just so happened, but we know that it was God leading her. And in chapter three, that again, you need to go back and read the whole story, but you come to a moment that it's basically... Um, Ruth is proposing to Boaz and, and, uh, for, for Boaz to, to marry her. And Boaz treats her with integrity and character. And, and um, basically, um, the, you know, in verse 13, he says that there is someone else that is in line. And uh, again, in that, in that custom, in the Jewish custom, that if, if someone was, their husband passed away, uh, there was somebody else in line that would protect that, that, that legacy. And so uh, Boaz basically said, there's some, I want to marry you, but I don't want to get out of God's will. I, wanna, I want what God wants for us. And there is somebody else in front of me. And so um, we pick up in, in Ruth chapter 4, verse 1, and um, uh, Boaz is going to go find that guy. And uh, again, um, listen to, to how it goes. It says in verse 1, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate. And uh, so you understand what the gate was. The gate was a place where uh, commerce happened. It was where justice happened. It was where the elders were at the gate. And so anything important, anything legal, it happened at the gate. So he goes to the gate and he sat down there. And um, again, they didn't have cell phones back then. They didn't have beepers. Uh, the Bible tells us, and behold, which is, 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 is huge because the word behold basically means, can you believe it? So it basically, again, talking about the invisible hand of God working in our lives, Boaz goes to the gate and he's sitting there and it says, and like, can you believe it? It's like God did something. 
all of a sudden, the Redeemer, the other guy that was in front of him, is at the gate. And this wasn't a coincidence. This was God working again. This is the invisible hand of God. It says, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And again, um, I, I, wanna, I want you to notice something. The Bible never mentions this other man's name. And I think it's really important. It never mentions him by name. It calls him the Redeemer. But it doesn't mention his name. And there's a reason why. It's because this man absolutely, totally neglected his responsibility. He had a responsibility. Legally and spiritually, he was obligated to check on Ruth and Naomi. Ruth and Naomi show back up into Bethlehem and it was his responsibility to check on them, to ask them, hey, do you guys need any food? Do y'all have a place to stay? But he didn't lift a single finger to help them. And he was supposed to be the one to help them, but he didn't do anything. You know, you've heard me talk about uh, the sins of commission, of commission, which is actually, you know, that, that the sin of commission is, uh, it's when you act out something bad or you say something that you shouldn't say. That's the sin of commission. But there's also the sin of omission, which the sin of omission is when I don't do anything. When I know to do something right and I'm supposed to do it, but I don't do it, it's the sin of omission. And... Um, do you know that you can sin as much by not doing something as you can by doing something? And again, these two widows, his closest relatives, and he does nothing. You know, the Bible speaks of, of this in 1 Timothy 5, 8. It says, and anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty strong. Again, the Bible is a, it has a very negative view of people who don't look out, out for their families and don't take care of their families. And again, his name is never mentioned. The guy's name is never mentioned. And... Um, the story, if you jump to verse 2, it says, And he took ten men of the elders of the city, and speaking of Boaz, and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back. Again, his name is never mentioned. Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of these sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it. And I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. And everybody listening to this are like, because the, the Redeemer said, no. If you look at that last section, it says, no. And he said, I will redeem it. And everybody is like, no, she doesn't want to marry that guy. She wants to marry Boaz.
And again, I love Boaz because Boaz is so godly and, and he knows there's a good chance he's not going to be able to marry her. But what he cares about is taking care of her, taking care of these two widows. And listen in verse 5, then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in, in his inheritance. So basically, he says, when you buy this field, you're not just getting a field and redeeming. And, and, and again, um, it's really interesting. And when you go back and you study in the Old Testament, what the, what the, the redeemers had the opportunity is, it really shows you the heart of God is that God did not want people that had lost their inheritance to live without their in inheritance the rest of their lives. That if you had messed up, that you, God's heart is not for you to live as a loser and, and, and be marked by that the rest of your life. That, that tells you that what a beautiful heart God has. But Boaz tells him, he says, hey, if you, if you, if you marry Naomi, not Naomi, sorry, Ruth. If you marry Ruth, get those names mixed up a little bit. If you marry Ruth, you're going to get these fields, but you're not just going to get that. You're going to get a bitter mother-in-law. And the guy thinks about it and listen to what he, he's like. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself. It's like you go into a house and you're like, we got a lot of wonderful realtors in our church and you're like, you're showing a house and People are like, man, this is such a great deal. I want to buy this house tomorrow. And you're like, well, there's some conditions. When you buy this house, you're going to get a mother-in-law, a bitter old mother-in-law. And he's backing out of, and like, you know, he's like, I, I, I don't know. And he then says, then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. I want you to notice something here. Um, notice how many times you see I, myself, I, my, my, I. Do you know that in one verse, it's six times. Do you know that selfish people don't leave a good legacy? This guy is, is, is selfish. He's only thinking about himself. He's only thinking about um, what benefits him, you know, Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says the world of the generous get larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. A life devoted to the things, to things is a dead life, a stump, a good, a God shaped life is flourishing, a flourishing tree. Listen to Psalms 37, 22 generous gets it. Generous gets it all in the end. Stingy is cut off at the pass. And again, you see this guy is selfish. He's, he doesn't care. And, and um, I, I just want to tell you that, that, that when you're selfish, selfish people don't leave a, a, a good legacy. And I, I love this story. It goes on because, again, they, they're, they're going to be married and... and um, Verse 11, it says this, and then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said this, we are witnesses. And what does that mean? It means that 
they're, they're praying. They are going to pray they're, this blessing. They're going to pray this prayer. It says, may the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrath and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may you, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. There's this faith proclamation that they're speaking over his life. They're speaking over her life. And do you know that you don't hear a lot of pastors talk about this, but there's a power in you blessing people. Be careful what you say to people. You know, moms and dads, I, I just want to encourage you to, that if all you speak is out of your mouth over your kids is criticism, it's going to affect them. You have the power. And just like these, these people, these elders, they, they make this faith proclamation. They speak over their lives. In other words, it's these words that they're speaking over their lives that they're saying, um, we are believing God for miracles. We're believing God for more in your life. Our God is greater than your circumstances. And what's so beautiful about this story and the way that it ends is, is again, um, you look at the genealogy and that um, the great-grandson, listen to this, talk about that there is more. The great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz is, will be the king of Israel, and it is King David. That gives us incredible hope. They declared and they, they, they said this blessing over this family. And you go look and you see this declaration. And um, I, I just want to encourage you today, if wherever you're at, I know for, for a lot of us that are watching um, and that you've joined us in service today, it feels like, man, there's no way that God can do anything else in my life and, and really turn this around, that I'm kind of stuck in a rut and this seems impossible and there's no way. And I want you to hear me when I say that. When with God, there is always more. And one of the most powerful things you can do, and whether you're 16, 17 years old and all everything going around you that you're like, man, I can't believe all this is happening. I'm not going to school or whatever. Your opportunity to lean in and say, God, I I'm going to get close to you. I, I want to be close to you because I want your hand on my life. If you're here today and, and you're watching and you're like, you know what, man, our, our life is a mess. I would encourage you to do like Naomi and, and, and go back, lean into the presence of God and say, God, I humble myself before you, God. And I ask you today, God, I invite you into my life. I invite you into my family. I invite you into every area of our life. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. God, we just thank you, Father, for this opportunity to to read your word and God, just how powerful it is to, to just raise our faith to another level, Lord. And God, when we see how you took these two widows that God, it seems so hopeless and God, you worked behind the scene and you put them in the right place at the right time. And then you took Boaz and God, Boaz is amazing. We all want to be like Boaz. But God, you put this story together and now you look at it and it, God, it is overwhelming to think that the great grandson of these 
two individuals, God, is the king of Israel. God, may this truth arise inside of our hearts. We thank you for this. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we would love to have you engage in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.